Okay, so let's get started. We're on week one of We Are The Church. And I'm going to read a, a little verse which kind of hooks all this onto um, from Ephesians 2, verse 22. Ephesians 2, verse 22. God in never intended for us to walk alone. His intention is that we are built up into his church. Isn't that good? And what Pat said this morning, um, uh, it was pretty much my preach. So, so there we go. I could have sat down. But isn't the Bible good like that? That it says all that you need it to say. Um, I'm also, I think Pat was reading from the message translation. Is that correct? Yeah, that's your favorite translation, isn't it? Well, my favorite translation is actually the Amplified Bible or the Multiple Choice Bible. Um, and I'm going to read you that same bit of scripture from that. In him and in fellowship with one another... You yourselves are being also built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode, dwelling place of God in, by, and through the Spirit. The, the Amplified Bible is a lot bigger than the other Bibles. Uh, There's many, many more words. But isn't that, isn't that cool? I just feel I need to read that again just so she can digest that properly. In him and in fellowship with one another... You yourselves also are being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed, this is beautiful, this bit, to form a fixed abode, a dwelling place of God in, by and through the Spirit. Oh man, so cool. Okay, so you've got to ask some questions, haven't you? And the first question is, what exactly is this church that Jesus is talking about? So I'm going to try and answer that question this morning on what the church is. If it feels like I'm telling you how to suck eggs, uh, well, enjoy the egg. Um, because I think it's really good to remind ourselves of some of these foundational things. Why we believe what we believe, what the thing is that we're doing. So that we're able to, as, as has been said this already... When, we, when others ask, we give a good account for, we give a good explanation for, uh, and we don't just think we know it, but actually we really know it. So what is the church that Jesus is talking about? Because in our, in our modern British culture, there are so many definitions of what church is, isn't there? Uh, and even what, what's the church's function is, is challenged as well. And church, depending on, on your point of view or bias, is either a powerful force for good Relevant today as it has ever been, and others view it as an outdated institution whose time is up. Um, it needs to die for the advancement of, of a civilized and, and advanced society. You, you, I, I see that all the time. Um, still others, even within the church, so within this big, big capital C church, view certain expressions of church as outside of God's intent and speak negatively and even nastily. Uh, of anyone who isn't in their denomination or, or their network. And that's really sad, isn't it? So that's really sad. Well, I think the best, the best way to answer the question about what, what is church is to, is to go to the Bible. You've all brought your Bibles this morning, haven't you? Yeah, you've all, all, all your phones, your mobile phones, or your iPad or whatever. That is, if you want the best place to answer any questions, as I said a few weeks ago, go to your Bible. All right, that's the best place for some answers. So, um, in the Greek New Testament, so in, in the New Testament, but written in Greek originally, we find that there are two words that are used for church. And, and the first word is either ecclesia or ecclesia, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And I, I will say both so that nobody gets angry with me. Uh, ecclesia is the first word we'll examine. And it's, it's got this definition, okay? It's summoned ones. So ecclesia is summoned ones. 
And that's usually translated within scripture as assembly or, or congregation. That's what it's translated from the Greek into the English as. And ecclesia can refer to, to two things. It can refer to what they call the universal church. You can find that in Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. And this is a church to which every believer, every believer belongs. It's worldwide and it spans the whole of, of, of Christian history. Um, or ecclesia can refer to local church. And again, you can look at Romans 16, verse 1, or 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. as just a few examples of scripture where you can, it talks about local church. And, and you could call this the on-the-ground ecclesia, an on-the-ground ecclesia, an expression of church in actual localities. Uh, and as a Christian, you are, uh, uh, should be, uh, you should belong to, to both. You, you belong to the universal church. And I believe wholeheartedly and with everything that I am that you should also belong to a local church, a local expression of church on the ground where you're at. But let's see if we're able to um, better understand what church is by looking at the original meaning of, of ecclesia. Now, in the um, Septuagint, or Septuagint, however you want to pronounce it, is, is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Okay, it's the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and it translates ecclesia from the word kahal, which means to summon. Kahal is spelled Q-A-H-A-L, which means to summon. So in the original Hebraic sense, it means God's people are called together by God in order to listen to or act for God. Okay. Listen to or act for God. And let me, let me give you an illustration of what I mean by that. In, in the days of classical Greece, uh, ecclesia was a word that was actually in common use. Um, and it referred to all the people who had the right of citizenship in Greece. Uh, you, you may have been living in the country or, or even born in, in that country. But in those days, that didn't automatically mean that you were a citizen with all the privileges uh, that came with it, such as, as voting. For example, women and children weren't allowed to vote. Uh, uh, slaves and foreigners were, were banned from participating in government, uh, regardless of whether they were a man or a woman, actually. So, so being counted as a citizen took you to a different level. And, and, and these citizens would come together and they would actually direct the affairs of the city. And, and their powers, so this ecclesia, their powers were almost unlimited. Uh, they could declare war. They, they could organize treaties. They could elect generals. And they were, they were ultimately responsible for the conduct of all military operations. Basically, to, to, to be a part of this ecclesia meant a summons for every eligible person to come and shoulder responsibility for the decisions made. It's worth repeating, because that's really important for you to get into your, your mind. It meant a summons for every eligible person to come and shoulder responsibility for decisions made. And with, this, with, with that in our minds, don't you find it interesting, because I certainly do, don't you find it interesting that translators chose to use that word when referencing God's church? From that little illustration, citizens take you to a different level, huge responsibility, make all the decisions... And the translators chose to use that commonly held word to refer to the church. Could God, 
who I believe through the supernatural power of his Holy Spirit, he directed and bringing together the uh, scripture, could he have in mind that his church should be moving in that same frame of reference? That, that God's ecclesia or ecclesia, his church, should also be moving in power and authority, directing the affairs of the world and really seeing his kingdom rule come? Yeah, I, I, believe, I believe it does. Let me just take a drink. God's ecclesia are those he is summoning together to hear his word and to do his will with the power that he has provided. That is awesome. And that might actually come as a surprise to those who see the church as something weak and ineffective, whose societal influence has weakened in recent times. I think, I think it's a call for us to not only enjoy the privileges of belonging to church, but to shoulder the responsibilities as well. Find our voice and use it. The church is God's powerful vehicle of bringing in his kingdom. In fact, I would say, and I do say this quite strongly, I think it's his preferred vehicle through which this will happen. We, as the church, exist for who? Him. We exist purely for him. We are summoned together for him. We are called together for him. We act for him. We listen to the world on his behalf and we act in the world for him. The church is God's house. Said so, didn't it, in that bit of scripture. It's his dwelling place. It's, it's his abode. And God gets to decide what kind of furniture he wants in it and where he puts it. And God has, particularly over the last few decades, I think it could be argued, restored the function of praise, faith, service, spiritual gifts and ministries to the church. And I guess when I'm talking about ministries, I'm talking about first five-fold ministries. Apostles, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. And I think that restoration is ever continuing. As we begin to understand better that when we, when we come together as his church to enable us to go out into all the world as an apostolic people, fully equipped, encouraged, and giving our all. It's awesome, isn't it? So we come together so we're equipped to go out. But here's the thing. Not, not that everything that calls itself a church or the church is church. And let me, let me quickly explain. He even said it this morning. Um, we've probably become too accustomed to the church being thought of, of anyone who attends a building on a Sunday. And even possibly the building itself. And that's particularly true, I think, from a secular point of view, a non-believing point of view. Listen, before I became a Christian, I certainly did. Church to me was, was, a, was a building with a tower. And, and, and within it was a man who, who only worked on a Sunday. And, and he dressed up with some fancy socks and some fancy frocks with some smells and bells attached. That, seriously, folks, that's what I thought church was. I didn't know church existed like this. 
When I first learned about this style of church, the charismatic stroke Pentecostal style of church, I thought you were a bunch of lunatics. I thought you were bonkers. I almost split up with Kathy because of that. I didn't know this church kind of church existed. I had a vague knowledge of a Methodist church or a Baptist church, but I thought they were all the same. You who are within the Christian bubble for many, many years, you may have forgotten what it was like not to know what church is and what it's about. But that's, that. My, I'm a Generation Xer apparently, okay, I, I'm, I, the ones have lost their voice. We, when you're speaking to me and my generation who aren't church, we don't know what you're talking about when you talk Christianese. Okay, so we need to understand that as we communicate with people who are outside of the church. All right, just, that's just an extra bit for you there. Because um, obviously I was wrong, wasn't I? I was wrong with that impression of church. It, it isn't that. There's, there's, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful, uh, weird and wonderful, yeah, right, okay, I'll, I'll say that. Weird and wonderful churches uh, out there and, 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 and who are doing some amazing things. So I was clearly wrong. It isn't just the Church of England. In, in God's eyes... It's the people who make up his church. It's the people who are the church. But it's not all people. Um, I think as far as God's concerned, there are only two groups of people. Uh, Those who have acknowledged Jesus as Lord and and have received eternal life. And those who who remain in the kingdom of darkness and, and could be said to be spiritually dead. In fact, I think the scripture calls them that. These people may even probably out of habit or obligation, go to church, in quotes, on a regular basis. But going to church for these people, I heard it said, is no more than dressing a corpse. God wants people who are alive in him. He wants everybody to be alive in him. He doesn't want anybody to be spiritually dead. He doesn't want anybody outside of his church. He wants the whole of creation to come together as the bride of Christ. I'm skipping ahead. Let's look at that second word that, that you can use for church. And this word is koinonia. Koinonia. And, and the definition of koinonia, and koinonia is beautiful. It's a beautiful word. The definition is fellowship. This word to use to define fellowship, I think, is one of the most beautiful words in the New Testament. Because it describes a partnership where, where people come together and Share life. You, you can't just come together for a couple of hours on a Sunday and think that you've shared life. <laughs> you've shared a couple of hours on a Sunday. You've not shared life. And Cononia then, when the Bible is using this word, when the translators have used that word, they're saying it's more than just that meeting together. It goes so much further than that. Fellowship, when you use that word, even that's a Christianese word, Fellowship. I mean, how many times do you use that outside the church context? Hey, let's meet for a coffee and have fellowship. Do you say that to your work colleagues who aren't Christians? No. No, you don't. You say something like, should we get together and have coffee? Don't you? And that's, but that's what fellowship is. That is most basic. It is referring to togetherness, a coming together. And you can further define cononia from fellowship and then to togetherness if we think about it in, in three ways. So these are your three ways. To have shared in something, which is a common experience. To have a share in something, which is a common possession. To want to share in something, which is a common objective. 
You would say them again. So to have shared in something, which is a common experience. To have a share in something, which is a common possession. And to want to share in something, which is a common objective. God, having called us into his church, wants us to live in close relationship with each other so that we might be a demonstration to the world of his excellent life. It's cool, isn't it? Let me delve together a little deeper into those three statements. So the first was a common experience to have shared in something. Um, all those in the church, that's what I love about the church, folks. All those in the church come from backgrounds with varying degrees of difference. But the experience we all share is that we've accepted the free gift of eternal life that comes from knowing and receiving Jesus. And this is something folks call the binding bond, and I'll share a little bit about that later. But the binding bond is where we share our experience of Christ together. 1 Corinthians 10 Verse 16 says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break in participation of the body of Christ? So as we gather together as a local church weekly, we're sharing a common experience of Jesus together as it's supposed to be. Jesus spoke of himself being the key in fact, a lot of biblical scholars would argue, and, and, and I think I would agree, that Jesus was actually speaking about himself as the rock on which the wider universal church should be built. The second thing I talked about there was common possession, which is to have a share in something. Acts 2 verse 44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. And here's the thing to point out. Here's an important thing to point out. It doesn't mean that they lived communally. But because sometimes I think, again, we feel, oh, to be the real church, we've got we've to live together and share everything and live like hippies or monks or something like that. No, that's not what he's saying. Well, what this bit of scripture is saying is what they were at, it, it, it was about, as everything really is in scripture, it's a, it comes down to a heart issue. What, 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 are, you, what, what, are, you, what, what are you letting in? To your heart and it actually communally means that they were willing to make available to each other whatever they had that's what communal living you know is i mean you could if you really want to be a hippie go ahead live together brilliant um but you know really it's about i see a need i want to i want to fill it i have the capability i fill it that that's what that communal mindset is that's what a communal heart is that's what makes us different from the world that we see a need and we fill it because we've got a vested interest in one another. We have a vest, I have a vested interest in your welfare. And you should have a vested interest in mine. And, and what you do is you apply that principle then materially and spiritually. And again, coming back to Ephesians verse four, uh, sorry, chapter 4, verse 16. It says, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. As each part does its work. As each part does its different bit of the work that needs doing. You can also look at 1 Corinthians 13, 12 to 13, or 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. 
a common objective is, is that final one, a common objective, which is to want to share in something. And this is a really powerful one, to want to share in something. Again, matter of the heart, what do you actually really desire? If we reflect back to that use of the word church in classical Greek, I asked us to consider that the church is actually meant to be a very powerful fighting force. We have a common objective, which is to advance the kingdom and hasten the coming back of the king. And we work this out practically by doing the following. Number one, we participate. And there's that word again. It's in that bit of scripture I talked about, it talks about the bread and the wine. We participate in the gospel. 1 Philippians 1 verse 5 to 7 says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We should be a witness of the good news of Jesus Christ ourselves. But just as importantly, encourage and support our brothers and sisters in their efforts to work this out. And remembering in particular those who have given, okay, those who have given all their lives to, in quotes, living by the gospel. By this I mean they don't have another job to fall back on. They, they, they've given out their lives solely to living by the gospel. And you can support that, we can support this in, in three ways. We can support it firstly by praying. I'm going to read you these bits of scripture actually. They'll put next to these because I think it's important. Colossians 4.3. And pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. That's Paul speaking. Uh, we, we, can do, we can support it by giving. 2 Corinthians 8.9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich. Yet for your sake he became poor, so that through you his poverty might become rich. And we can support that being a witness of the gospel by going. Um, Matthew 9, 37 to 38. Then he said to his disciple, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. I think if... if if as, a, as a, if as a local church we're lacking anything right now, I think it's, it's, it's that ev- a gift of evangelism. I, th- I think that, that, that not just the one or the two, but, but the whole of the church going, I, 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 I want to be able to reach others with the good news of Jesus. Not just friendship evangelism that takes years, but actually proclaiming the work of the cross, his resurrection, and his his getting hold of the keys, you know, of death and, 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 and actually saying, I'm, I'm now in charge. Jesus is in charge. And just that boldness. So maybe as, as a church, maybe that's one thing we can be praying. Lord, not only bring us the evangelist, because it's not the work of the evangelist who has a primary teaching to go out and be the evangelist. It's for them to equip the church so that we're able to go out and evangelize. Okay, where am I going? Okay, a common objective to advance the kingdom and hasten the coming back of the king is also worked out practically by number two, supplying the local church the following. Our presence. (laughs) Supply Supply the local church with our presence. Actually being together. So 10 out of 10, we've all done that this morning. We're we're together. All right, well done you. Um, 
Again, I'm going to read these bits of scripture. I think it's good to read word. I, I love the word of God. It's good to read. It's good to hear it. So don't switch off when I, I read the verses. But really engage what the words are saying. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. We can supply the local church by giving of ourselves of our time, of our talents. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical and intelligent, I'm reading from the Amplified, you can tell, act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, which means focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, which is good, acceptable, and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. We can also supply the local church with our money. Yeah, I've said it. I've put it out there. We supply the local church with our finances. Malachi 3, verse 8 to 12. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings you have withheld. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, this whole nation. Bring all the tithes, the tenth, into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you so great a blessing until there's no more room to receive it. Then I'll rebuke the devourer, insects and plagues for your sake, and he will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field drop its grapes before harvest. All the nations shall call you happy and blessed, for you shall be a land of delight, said the Lord of hosts. It, it, we're living in the new covenant, and, and, and giving of, and that is, is a good thing to bear in mind, but we give of our finances, of our money, out of love, not out of pressure, or out of a rule or obligation. We supply the local church, and this may be indeed be the most important thing, our faith. We supply our faith. 1 Thessalonians 1.8 The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Isn't that awesome? Our faith. Listen, we had a faith to move to East End Park, stroke Richmond Hill. We, 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 we prayed for a long time. We met a number of times. And God ultimately said, I want you to move to Eastern Park, become a local church and local community with one eye on the city, but reach this community here. And in faith, we moved. And God is, is doing some amazing things and has done some amazing things. But here's the thing. It says in that bit of scripture there, your faith in God has become known everywhere. I was at a... Um, uh, kind of a leaders meeting of, of a number of churches across Leeds just, just last week and we all kind of shared what our vision is for the future for those who thought about that and I must admit I hadn't particularly before I got there but I, I, I shared where we're at and where we've been and what we possibly hope to do I didn't have a particular massive vision that I wanted to share there and then but just 
because they didn't have to say this, but one of the guys from one of the churches just said, I want to speak on behalf of everyone around this table that we think what you guys have done is amazing. What you guys have done is, is to be applauded and we want to support you in whatever way we can, whether that's through prayer or, prayer or other means. That step of faith moving from, in quotes, a rich part of the city to a poorer part of the city that with a lot more needs. You know, we had, we had a building, despite how much it cost us every month. We had a building. We, had, we, had, we were comfortable, weren't we? Yet we've taken a step of faith, believing that we had, we had and have got a greater destiny than, 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 than Headingley Lane and that building and that area. And, and that is seen across the city. Believe you me. You are seen across the city of people willing to step out in faith because you've listened to God. And you've obeyed what he's asked us to do. That's amazing, isn't it? Keep going. Keep going. We've got a destiny. And though sometimes we, we look out and we go, where is everybody? It doesn't matter. We, we've, 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 got a, we've got a destiny. We will fulfill it. But it takes, it takes, it doesn't take two seconds. There's, there's a preach I was going to do, which was based on this one thing. It takes many years to be an overnight success. I was going to do a preach on that. Maybe I will. It takes many years to be an overnight success. I mean, it's interesting that Mike is sat here and Sarah keeps grabbing my eye over there. They have a successful business right now, don't you? Successful business. But you have heard of in the past, you've been part of the church for a while, they have, to be that almost overnight success, they have spent many years grafting. 21 years grafting. 21 years, in some years, having nothing and relying on God to provide the food on the table. But now, because of... Of, of that hard work and that faith that they've kept in themselves, in God, and in the business that they believe he's called them to be. They've been a huge blessing financially to this church, but also to other charities and things across the city. It's not an excuse for you to go and ask Mike for money, but um, it's, uh, what I'm saying is it, it, we're in this for the long haul. And I have to remind myself, this, particularly lately, because I feel the devil has really been having a little go that... that we're here to build something amazing. Part of his church, by partnering with God, partnering with him to build his church, but to affect more people so that we, 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 um, the gospel is heard, the good news of Jesus is heard. But it will take a number of years for us to be an overnight success. Okay. Sorry, Mike. I hope that was all right. I, do, I didn't check that was okay beforehand, but there we are. Um, I want to talk about this binding bond that I mentioned earlier, when I said that koinonia means fellowship, which has this condition of togetherness embedded within it. The, the, the condition of togetherness within the church, particularly the local church, I think, would actually be naturally impossible um, if it wasn't for God. <laughs> because we're all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds. And for some of us, if it wasn't for Christ and, and his church expressed in the local, we would never have met. I've said this before, I'll pick on somebody else. You know, John Barge, upper, upper middle class doctor in another part of the city. Would I have ever become friends with John if it wasn't for the church? Would I have ever met John if it wasn't for the church? I doubt it. You're all thinking, maybe, maybe you could have done. No, I doubt it. Let's be honest. But I've met a number of you who have different social circles. You're, you're in different parts. No, I wouldn't. Because you, we're all so different. 
what's awesome about Christ and his church is that he brings us together. And, and we build one another up because of those differences, not because we all think the same. We have one thing in common, Christ, but because of that we come together and then iron sharpens iron, doesn't it? We're, we're able to mature spiritually because we're challenged or we're encouraged. We're encouraged. I just want to repeat that. Let's encourage. Let's be a people of encouragement rather than challenge, actually. Um, I love the local church because of that. It's such a powerful thing. I was part when there was a period where me and Kath were part of a, 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 um, a, a church that didn't meet together like this. It met, it met in somebody's house and it was lovely and nice, but it was so comfortable because everybody thought the same. We all thought the same. It was just an echo chamber of our own thoughts. I would argue, where's the maturing and the sharpening in that environment when you're all thinking the same thing? We need different opinions to help us grow. I said a number of weeks ago, I really would love us to learn the art of debate without falling out. Wouldn't you? Being able to actually express a difference of opinion, but then not suddenly ending your friendship because of it? That would be lovely, wouldn't it? Anyway, there we go. Um, There are many things that could pull apart our togetherness. And let's face it, the devil has a good go, doesn't he? He's called the accuser of brethren, brothers and sisters, that's what that means. But, it, but in many places it seems that he doesn't even have to bother because foolish Christians do the job for him. It's said that we're the only army where, the sh- where, where, where soldiers shoot their own men. On purpose. <laughs> it is in some, maybe I've heard it. But here's the rub. The church of Jesus Christ is not a natural structure, but is in fact supernatural. And it's established on the promises of God. A covenant that God has made with us again and again. The Bible throughout the whole of what you will read emphasizes the covenantal nature of God. Um, And covenant is a really important word if you don't get that, what what that is. It, It means that it's simplest, a binding contract between two parties. The covenant that we have with God is amazing Because he instigated it. There is absolutely nothing that we could offer him in return, yet he chose to give it to us. Um, And this covenant was established through the blood of Christ. It's a blood covenant. Our covenants always include conditions that have to be met by each party. And the covenant that God made with us is filled with these, these precious promises. Listen to these. They include forgiveness of sins. Healing. Provision, protection, and presence. And equally, we keep covenant with God. And this includes us being faithful to him. Abiding by his law, which is one of love. Fulfilling our service. And most importantly, I think, keeping covenant with one another. Some Christians can see the church as remote from the world around them. They might view it as a safe haven from the unpleasantness of the world. And their first consideration might be whether the church is or isn't meeting their own needs. Yet, I hope, as as we've seen, the church was never brought to birth by God for defensive purposes. It was initiated by him for advance. We're never just to creep into four walls close the world off 
until Christ returns. It's not what he's asked us to do. He's, he's birthed the church so that we are equipped to advance and to bring heaven to earth. It's a nursery school. It's a college. It's a family firm that births, equips, and trains God's people to play their role in a changing world and seeing his rightful rule come. And it carries with it righteousness and justice. In the J.B. Phillips translation of scripture, Amos 5 verse 24, it says, Instead, let justice roll on like a mighty river and integrity like a never-failing stream. Um, let justice roll on like a mighty river. You ever, you ever been next to a mighty river? If you get in it, you ain't going anywhere else but where that river takes you. We are to be that mighty river of justice and morality and good ethics so that everybody's caught up in that river and we're all heading in one direction. And we're like a never-failing stream integrity we are to be a people of integrity a people whose word well, I've said this many times before but as Christians you should never have to use the word promise because your word is your bond when you say you will do something you will do it do you know what I mean I know it's and I'm taking something to its nth degree but I'm kind of making a point with it is when you say something your word has value because you are integrous People, people know that what you say is what you will do or what you say is true. And, and if, we, if we build that within the church, then, then we're no longer cynical of one another. Because if we see that integrity in one another, cynicism falls away. Cynicism is a killer of faith. It really is. And I actually then approach the world, again, said this before, repeating again today. Um, you may struggle with politicians. You may have a go and think they're all out for themselves. Well, I don't think that 99.9% .9 of politicians go into politics for themselves. I think they go in with a, a genuine heart to believe that they want to change our, our nation and our world for the better. And even if they don't, I believe that. Because I'm choosing not to be cynical. If they let me down, then there's an accountability that happens, isn't there? So we're not being stupid. But what we're doing is holding people in, in, in the best place we can. The church, coming back to the church, it consists of a people that are part of a covenant community. And that we should all have a relationship with a living local expression of the local, of the universal church. The church belongs to God and his people. And we should allow him to have his way with us. Remember Kathy spoke a few weeks ago that, you know, if, if God asks, just say yes. That's the, best, that's the best way, because eventually you, you'll lose the argument. It might wait for you a little bit, but just say yes. It's the easiest and best way. Um, and here's my final sentence. And, and I, I want you to really open your ears to this, because this is true. Okay? Um, no, I won't go into that. That's too theological. I'm going to say this one sentence. This is so true, and it, it's going to give you hope. Hope for a future, hope, hope for, for, our, for, for our city and our nation and for our world. And I want to say this, the church is not dying and going away. The church is not dying and going away. The, the charismatic Pentecostal church within the UK, I kind of tie those two things together, but they can mean slightly different things, but essentially the same thing. Um, it's, one of the, the, it's one of the fastest growing parts of the church in the UK. I don't know about Methodist and Baptist, maybe 
you can fill me in. I don't know. But, but the C of E church, who the media tells you is, is just fading into obscurity, has actually grew this year. It's actually grown by a very small percentage. The church is not dying or going away, whatever expression of church you choose to belong to. But actually, it will go from strength to strength. And I believe that because the Bible tells me so. Until his kingdom covers the earth, Christ has returned and is united with his bride. Amen. Amen. Awesome. There you go. That's, that's, that's week one. So bless you guys. Bless you guys. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.